Welcome to episode number 12 of Making It, a podcast about making things with your bare hands, hosted by the Jimmy DiResta, Bob Cleggett from I Like to Make Stuff, and myself, David Pachuto, the Drunken Woodworker. And before we kick this off, if you listen to the show through iTunes, we'd like to ask you to please rate and review us as you see fit, as this helps us tremendously. With that being said, let's get started by talking about what we're working on. Jimmy. Oh, hey guys. How you doing? Um... I just got a really interesting job. I'm real excited about it. I'm going to have to build a 12-foot scale model of a distillery. Did I mention that before? Because I really got a clearer view this week since I uh, spoke to you guys last week. Nice. Um, So it's going to be a little uh, steampunk, a little bit saw, a little bit rock and roll. It's going (laughs) to basically be like a scale model about 12 feet long of the distillery process from mixing the grains to cooking the mash to distilling the, the bourbon and then barreling it. A, a working model or just a model model? No, just a just a demo, just a more of a, a a schematic model. But it will be three D, and it's going to be a featured part of the Bullet Bourbon Distillery tour. So it's going to look good oh, wow. and fun and, and and interesting. So I'm looking forward to that. So I'm doing pre production on that this week. Cool. You going to do a video yep. about that? Or oh about yeah, that? I'll be I'll be working on a video that whole process for sure. Awesome. So. What do you got, Bob? Um, been putting together my X-Carve, my CNC, this week. Um, so done a little bit of that here and there. Haven't had a whole lot of time in the shop lately, um, but I've started another project that hopefully is going to be my next one. I'm making a Connect 4 game. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, so I'm using the CNC to cut out the little pieces out of some different colored acrylic, which actually turned out really well. I was kind of skeptical about how well it would um, you know, cut a circle, like how cleanly it would do it. Um, yeah, I saw that on your Instagram. Yeah, but man, it, it turned out great. So doing that, and then I'm going to build the rest of the actual game thing, I think, you know, just by hand. Um, All CNC and wood, or are you going to do any 3D printing? No, I think I think for this one, just CNC and wood. Yeah. Cool. Um, and there are some different ways to do that game. So, you know, like the one you buy has a moving part, like a slide at the bottom. And I've kind of avoided that for a couple of reasons. But I came up with another way to make it kind of interesting and not just look like the one you're going to get off the shelf. So that's, that's what I'm working on. What about you, David? Um, like you putting together my X carve and I just got that completed a couple hours ago and I love it. It's, it's massive. And I, uh, I, I ran a couple little test pieces today. I think last week I hinted at, I, I came up with this new way of doing something. Maybe it's not new, but I've never seen it done, so I'm actually testing that out right now, and so you might see a video about that in a couple weeks, but um, I think my first video with the new X-Carve is going to be these uh, walnut side panels for a Korg synthesizer. Um, so, oh, yeah. Yeah, some of you may know I, I make them by hand, and I sell them on my website, and I've been wanting to try to do it on the CNC for a while, and why not? Why not now? So that awesome. is what I'm working on. Last week, I put out a video on making a spline joint for picture frames, and that was part two of a picture frame series. And part three will will be another couple weeks or so. But um, just know that that is going to be like a five or six part series on picture frames. Nice. Right on. Well, you guys are both talking about CNC machines, and of course, I've been using my CNC machine. And in fact, actually today, I also was setting up my Shapeoko two. And I finally dug into those boxes that have been sitting here under my feet. And David and I started a video, an unboxing and an assembly video. But the conversation of CNC sort of brings us to the topic of the day, which is uh, 
handmade versus machine made and the uh from time to time you see a uh, a comment dialogue argument begin under a video uh whether something is can be whether something can be considered handmade or machine made and that's sort of the way the technology is going so we're, we're going to have a conversation tonight about handmade versus machine made and when i say machine made computer machine made and uh recently i i made a video I guess I guess it was going into Christmas time uh, about a box for a liquor company, and the liquor company's logo is handmade the hard way, and I CNC'd that logo out with my machine, so the word handmade the hard way was CNC'd onto brass, and I knew that was going to raise a couple of eyebrows because I just handmade this whole box, but I literally just made this one little piece of it on the CNC machine, and it just happened mm-hmm. to say handmade the hard way, and everybody underneath right oh handmade the hardware with a cnc machine huh so uh, it started a, a a pretty interesting conversation and uh so w- bob what's your thoughts take it away well i don't know i mean i i'm kind of mixed about that i think i was thinking about this earlier and i think a lot of that what what you can justify and i don't say justify the way people justify things when it comes to that conversation has a lot to do with what they're actually trying to accomplish and like if someone is a tried and true hand tool woodworker person or, you know, what, whatever the case may be, whatever the medium is, if they're someone who has done it the hardest way possible for a very long time and they've built skills that way, anything that's going to make that faster or easier and take less practice is going to be a little, like, frustrating for them, I would imagine, you know. From my perspective, like, what I do the things that I make are not about honing a craft, right? The things that I make are not about like how many ways can I make this skateboard and make it better and make it better and make it better and get better at the techniques and all that stuff. It's like, Hey, I want to learn how to make a skateboard. I'm going to make a skateboard and then I'm probably never going to make another one again. Right. And, but you know, for me, it's the exploration. And so the computer controlled tools or even just power tools or whatever, those are things that are just helping me explore something that I'm interested in and, and kind of building a skill set. Now that whole, whole perspective does apply to maybe even what both of you guys are doing and like why you're doing what you're doing. But I, I think the, the core to that argument is what are you trying to get out of it? You know, is your process the thing that you're trying to get out of it or is the end result the thing you're trying to get out of it or Right, that's a good point. Is that the end result? Well, it doesn't matter how you get there. If the end result is the main goal, which yeah. it is, of course, in some cases, but fine woodworkers, you know, for them, the uh, the the reward comes in the process. Of course, you know, making yeah. dovetails or or putting butterflies or whatever that is, and then of course the end result is another part of it. But it certainly seems like when you see fine woodworkers or even like people that do wood carving, and I've done lots of wood carving myself. The process is very is very methodical and very in a way meditative, mm. and so uh, you know when you could just type in a few keystrokes and and hit send, which you know it's a little bit more complicated than that, but that's how they might classify it. There is some meditation in that as well, you know, trying to figure out your your the pattern for your 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 carving pattern for your for your machine, or you know, and doing different parameters and getting different results. You know, it's the same thing. You just happen to be able to see the end result on the computer preview. Some cases. Dave, what's your thought? I'm a woodworker 
And this has happened in other industries as well, like music. We went from analog to digital, and there was a lot of backlash and people saying, no, no way, that's not real music anymore. And then photography, fixing your photos in the darkroom to using something like Photoshop. and Film and video as well. You bring that yeah. up, yeah, film and video. And, and um, so I think a lot of people just have trouble with change, especially if you spent your lifetime developing these skills. For me, the two most rewarding parts of any project is the idea, creativity, drawing process. I just, that's, I love that. And then the, the end result. So like, I just love designing a, whatever it is, a box or piece of furniture or whatever. And then however I execute that, whether it's a hand plane or CNC or uh, a, a carcass saw or a table saw, the journey for me is not as fun as the creativity and, and the end result. So it doesn't, it doesn't really matter for me. All right. So there's another part of this argument that I think can get a little more you know, dicey when you're making stuff to sell and you make it with uh, an automation of any kind and then you sell it as if it weren't automated. I think that's where a lot of people can, you know, like have a problem with they see somebody doing that. I don't think there's anything wrong with selling things that you built from an automation standpoint at all, but uh, you can't do that and claim that it's handmade. I don't think, you know, ethically, I don't think you could. But that's one of the conversations. But I also, kind of back to what I said earlier about like why you're doing it. So you think about somebody that's teaching woodworking and they're trying to, like their product is knowledge, right? Their product is teaching other people how to do stuff. And for them to bring on an automation tool of any kind is going to kind of undermine like what they're trying to sell. And so I, I totally understand why that would be those type of machines would be like a really negative thing when you look at those people who are trying, like their goal is to pass knowledge, you know, and that knowledge kind of gets, you know, left behind when you have a tool that even though it takes a, a separate set of knowledge to run, um, it can get, their stuff can get left behind. I, well, I, I strongly believe that the best results can be a mix of all of these disciplines. I mean, I, uh, I've been lucky enough to to be involved in all of this. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't consider myself a fine woodworker in the true sense of the word. Uh, I can't do it, and and I honestly don't have the patience to do super fine woodworking. And a lot of my clients don't necessarily pay for super fine woodworking. So, um, but when it comes to doing logos and and using CNC to to cut out things, for me, I if I know I'm going to need several things the same way. CNC is great. And if I can take them out of the machine and then give them a quality of, of handmade and the quality, of course, the next few steps could potentially involve genuine handmade, uh, you know, finger joints, whatever it might be. I think it's, it's a great combination and it's a great, it, personally, I, I've had a little bit of my own little revolution in my shop here by buying my, my CNC machine. And now I have a 3D printer. And then recently I just picked up the, uh, the vinyl cutter silhouette, Bob, that you recommended. And it's amazing to me when you just, you can think of something and you hit print and now all of a sudden you have a seemingly manufactured sticker or logo. And mm-hmm. whereas, you know, you would have had a, in the past go to, you know, you would have had to deal with somebody else. And now because these machines are becoming more affordable, more accessible, anybody can make these beautifully finished factory made looking things in some cases, if that's what the client needs or if that's what you'd want to make for yourself. Um, and, and I, I think it's great. Uh, a few people have asked me over the, the years, what do you think of the maker movement? And 
And I think it's great because the maker movement's going to spawn thousands of, of entrepreneurs. And I've said that before. Uh, you know, these young kids that are learning how to use CNC machines and that are learning how to use 3D printers, a large percentage of them are going to begin to invent new, of course, technologies, but new methods of retail, new methods of, of distributing ideas and technologies and, and communicating and, and selling things. It's, it's just bound to happen. You know, when you see a 10-year-old kid playing with a 3D printer and that's his passion at 10, where's he going to be when he's 20 or 25 or 30, mm. you know? So I, I think it's, it's super exciting. Just to bring up an interesting subject, um, I just was down in New Orleans over the weekend and I was at the Mini Maker Fair there and, and I did a speech and which, by the way, I taped, and once I put it together, I'll put it on my channel. It came out pretty good. I was kind of happy with it. It was a small turnout. Just the whole entire fair had a little bit of a small turnout, but there were lots of fans of, of all three of ours and of the podcast. And I'm not going to say who because I, I just don't want to get myself jammed up, but the, um, the guy who was running the fair suggested to me before I agreed to do my lecture, he said, would you be interested in debating a person who's, who's like kind of a local celebrity down there? He hates the maker movement. I don't want to say his name, but he didn't like the idea of the maker movement. He doesn't like that. And he wanted to debate someone like me who has more of an open mind. He thinks the old system of, uh, of apprenticeship should, should still be in place. And he thinks the maker movement is making millions of unqualified craftsmen. And I, I can see his point, but the world's changing. You know, we also have electric now and we have running water and we have, you know, we don't have dysentery anymore. So, there's a certain we you know and the whole world is full of people with free will it's not like it used to be you, know, you don't have to sell your daughter anymore you know it's a different set of rules i think the terms fine woodworking and handmade and maker and artist are subjective and means something different to everybody absolutely yeah and so you said you're not a fine woodworker I, I, there might be a lot of people that might think you are a, a fine woodworker i mean i i attempted to i mean you know i've attempted certain projects and i've, I've succeeded and i've carved lots of wood i've done all my my three-dimensional guitars are all hand carved and uh you know if i if i if i hog out a bunch of, of material with a router but then i carve the rest of it and the whole thing looks carved does, does that mean i carved it you know mm. some people would say no i didn't because i didn't actually remove the you know the the majority of the wood with my hands but you know i think it's 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 an interesting discussion. I mean, I, I'm also results oriented like you guys. And if the end result looks good and I'm happy with it, my clients are happy with it, then then I feel like it's fine. Now, there's a, another thing I was going to say about my project. It's kind of weird how this works out, but um, my right. Connect 4 project that I'm working on. So I thought ahead of time about, you know, how much of that do I want to do on the CNC? And if you do an entire project on the CNC, it doesn't make for a in very interesting video, obviously. Mm -hmm. So even though I figured out how to do this entire thing and all the, the kind of little extra thing I'm going to do for it, it's all easily done on CNC. And I decided to just do the acrylic and maybe one of the wooden pieces for time's sake. Um, so I'm going to do, you know, part of it on the CNC, but then part of it uh, just, you know, with the bandsaw or whatever. And that's kind of back to the result, like, the result of this project is a video that teaches somebody how to do something. It's not really the connect four thing. That's the vehicle. Um, and so, you know, in this case, I'm, I'm going to use multiple types of tools, but the same project is probably going to be the one that I'm going to use for a book that I'm working on doing. David and I are both being a part of this book that we can talk about later. That's about CNCs. 
And I'm going to use the exact same project, but do the entire thing on a CNC. So I was really excited about the fact that I could take one project and do it two really different ways. And it'll be interesting to see how the the outcome of those two different methods, you know, like mm. how, how they compare. So going back to filming the CNC and how that could be born. I just had a, a talk with another online creator a couple of days ago through email. And he asked me about how am I going to show all, all these CNC videos? I got a, I got a handful of CNC videos coming out soon with inventables. And I, t- and I told him, I'm not just going to like design something and then throw it in the CNC and let the camera run for 20 minutes. I'm actually going to talk about more about the design process and the different things that you can do with it that you may not think, uh, if you don't have a, if you don't have the machine, you might not think of what is capable of the machine. And so I'm I'm trying to approach it uh, in a in a different way. And I want to I want to talk about the design process and how you can use that into your existing workflow. You know, right? Yeah, incorporate it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My video. By the time this this podcast airs, people will have likely you know our fans will have likely seen my video that's up on make which will be on make is um i make my push sticks which i posted some social media about my my plastic push stick Uh, a lot of people see my push sticks in my videos and they ask where can i get a file or how can i make it and so i just went through the process of me building it inside of illustrator so i build it in illustrator then i bring it into vcarve and then i end up cncing it I do a little bit of handiwork in the shop to customize it and I put magnets in it so that it will stand on my tabletop. So the majority of the video is, well, it's three parts. It's uh, it's only five in minutes and change. And that was to keep it from being boring again because the CNC runs. So I kind of mm. really fast forwarded through the CNC. I like seeing the machine run really super fast speed. <laughs> so I have it going fast forward the whole time. But uh, I cut out some of it just because it's predictable. It's the same exact thing four times in a row. Because I make four push sticks, two at one size and two at a smaller size. But you see how I begin in Illustrator on the Macintosh, and then I bring it into uh, a Windows computer, and I run VCarve, and I, I run the uh, cut paths in VCarve, and then I do a preview of the cut path, and then I run it. And then because I had to leave tabs so the, the parts don't fly all over the place, I had to take them apart and cut the tabs off, and then I put magnets in them. So. There's a process to it. There's a whole process to it. It's not There's just like, process. you don't just think of it and then tell the machine to do that. You have to yeah, actually learn a new skill. There's so much more to it. I mean, you know, people, you know, put it down. I, before we started, um, you guys know a friend of mine that doesn't like CNC machines, but he was at my shop a couple of weeks ago and he kind of raised an eyebrow. I, and I know he doesn't like it. So, you know, I just, it does, it's not a topic of conversation, but I happened to be working on something while he was there, but I pretended like he didn't see it. So, <laughs> And uh, he's a fine woodworker and he raised his eyebrow and he said, how much is that machine? So Mm. right there, like I knew I had him at how much is that machine? So uh, I know he's looking into one now because he was curious. But, you know, a few few years ago, he would have said, you'll never find me dead on one of those things. Hmm. (laughs) You know, I've actually been really surprised with how many CNC – well, given how many CNCs have shown up recently on YouTube in in a bunch of different creators' videos and stuff, I've been surprised at how little vocal resistance I've heard. You know, I kind of expected more, but I think a lot of people are just really interested in what the capabilities are. And that doesn't mean that all those people are going to actually get one or anything. But I think people are just 
you know, it's still relatively new. And I think 3D printing is, seems like a really far off tech to a lot of people. And so they just don't know what it's capable of or not capable of. And so I think there's yeah. a, a certain amount of interest, you know, unless yeah. it's just like against the core of who you are, like some of those people, it might be, you know, which is totally understandable. I don't, I don't want to say that in a way that makes them sound negative in any way. I mean, I, I understand why that could be a bad thing. Well, I see like, but, you know, I've encountered, you guys know, I've encountered some boat builders and I just became friends with, uh, a boat builder on Instagram seems like a super sweet guy, but those guys are like in the shop making big things. Now, I mean, unless you have a giant CNC machine, I don't know how boat boat building is applicable to say a, <laughs> yeah. a big CNC machine. You know, that is all just traditional handmade. If you're making wooden boats, I guess you could call on your friend with a CNC machine to make the sign once the boat is done. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, there are some there are some some crafts that just simply re- re- require just handmade the hard way and, you know, barrel making and boat mm-hmm. making and, uh, you know, putting a house together, building a house. So, so I think you might have some of those traditionalists looking down upon, you know, the, the new wave of handmade and saying, oh, that's not handmade. But then again, the machines in many cases don't apply to what they're doing. So yeah. it's hard for them to relate, you know, where well, all of us and, you know, a lot of our fans are, Making all kinds of things from lamps to whatever, you know, whatever they think they need, furniture, you know, the stuff that Will Holman's making. And, you know, it's, it's just, uh, you know, this, this, it's just like, uh, there's a tremendous world of people making a tremendous amount of things. And there's so many different cross pollinations. And when you're, you know, if you're a Cooper or a wooden boat builder, you'll look at that and go, eh, what do you need that stuff for? But in time, you know, like I said, you know, people, the more accessible it is. I, I remember when I first went to go look at a CNC machine, it was over a hundred thousand dollars and I just did not want that commitment. This was several years ago, maybe 10 years ago. And then the technology obviously has become much more affordable. And so that's when I got my hands on what I got now. Yeah. I think it's a good point to to say that how many different segments there are and there's room for those segments. You know, it's not like, I don't think, I don't think fragmentation would be the right word for like the maker community to say that these people are only doing this thing and these people are only doing this thing. But there's a lot of room for people to be cross-discipline and to experiment and to mm-hmm. you know, try to figure out how to bring other tools, you know, technology-based or not, try to bring that into what they're already doing. And going back to what you said earlier about the conversation with the guy in, in New Orleans, the accessibility of some of these things and just YouTube in general. I mean, you got to mm-hmm. mention that like the accessibility yep. of knowledge and skill uh, now that's there for kids is unbelievable. And I would have loved to seen what is on YouTube now when I was 10 years old, because it would have changed, you know, what I thought was reasonable, what I thought was possible. And so, yeah, having these things around, having, you know, kids being able to see them. I mean, my kids, so I got my 3d printer set up. And I still haven't done a whole lot with it because I don't really know what I'm going to do with it. It was just something I wanted to play with. But I brought them down and I said, I'm going to, I'm going to print you a robot. And they were like, you mean like a picture, like a picture? Like, no, I'm going to print you a, (laughs) a a toy that you can walk away with in about 20 minutes. And they were just like, I, what? I don't understand. They totally didn't, you know, it just blew their mind. I mean, my oldest is seven. They just don't have the context for something like that. And so, of course, they got bored during the printing process, but they watched it print from nothing a thing. 
And yeah. then they got to walk away with that thing. And they were and now, because of that, they come back down and they, you know, if they're they're in their mind, they're playing with something or whatever, and they want a, a gun or they want a sword or whatever, and they always go, Hey dad, can you can you 3D print me a sword? <laughs> you know, like, can you can you make me this little thing that I want? And so it's just from seeing that, it's opening up what they think is reasonable and what's possible. And that's uh, that's awesome to me. I love yeah, that. That's so cool. Yeah. Have you can you imagine like when you see like I was at my friend's house the other day in Louisville and his two-year-old son is walking around with an iPad watching cartoons. And he knows how to find the cartoon he wants to watch on an mm. iPad at two years old. Can you imagine like where the technology is going to be when he's 45 years old? It's just insane to me when you think mm. of the potential that you know, the, the, the world of technology has and like where it's going so fast. Like I said, I went to go buy a CNC machine just to try and maybe cut out some flat patterns and I thought I would maybe make it a business 10 years ago. And I just said, it's so expensive. I got no room for a giant machine like that. And now here it is. I paid a fraction of that for a machine that's, you know, a little bit like one quarter of the size of what I was going to pay. I got my CNC machine not knowing what I would do with it. I, just, I got it and I was intimidated by it. I talk about it in my New Orleans speech. I said I bought it. I just knew that I would need it for something, but I didn't know why I needed it. Just like you mentioned about your 3D printer. But now it's so invaluable to me. I think of it all the time at every turn. Mm -hmm. So, and I, I think again, if, if I going to hand traditional, make some joinery and then I want to put a part, a word on it. And then I take that one piece off. I stick it in the machine. I put a word on it and the word comes out beautiful. I mean, I could hand router it, but it just looks so nice when it's precise and it's a perfect typeface, you know, which of course is what I use it for most often, but <clears throat> it is nice to be able to get nice precision cuts over and over again, you know, with some predictability. Jimmy, you recently did the dartboard video where you CNC the letters on there, but then you did an awesome technique afterwards to give it a, a hand carved look. You want to talk yeah. about that? Oh, yeah. I CNC'd out the silhouette of the flowers. And honestly, I cut the silhouette out and I thought that's where it was going to be done. But when I looked at it and knowing what I've been able to do and knowing the carving that I have in my resume, which I don't do as much of anymore. I was like, you know what? That That is screaming to be carved. So I carved what I could. And then I had to kind of go over the rest of it too because the rest of it looked like it needed some chisel marks. So I carved uh, the, uh, the, the crest around the bottom of the image. And then I carved the actual image of the, there was a dog and a dartboard. So I carved a little bit of that. But I left the typeface uh, sharp and clean just because it's a nice contrast. It was cool to see something made by a machine, and then you added the texture that couldn't be done with a machine. So it, yeah. it was a great combination of using uh, new technology and, and handmade stuff. So it was, thank you. I yeah. just thought and that was just, really clever. That happened organically. I really wasn't my plan going into it. So that that's nice. That's the nice thing about having the the machines and just sort of exploring. And you know, if I'd have planned it all out, I probably wouldn't have thought of it. And I had to be in the moment to come up with that. So. Yeah, I really, I really think you know that type of stuff is just our generation's version of the same thing that's happened in in previous generations. As far as you know, somebody at some point didn't have any electric tools, and then they had this one electric tool, and then they were like, "I don't know what I'm going to use this thing for." You know, I don't, I don't <laughs> <The> know. drill. <laughs> yeah, like why would I use a drill? I have a hand drill here. And then at some point, they went, "Oh." Oh, oh, wait, I can just use this right here and it would make it this much better or this much faster or this much, you know, I can make two of these instead of one of these today or, you know, something like that. And I think the place that we're in with all this stuff is not new. I think the things are new, but 
Yeah, yeah. that's true. The I transition agree. is is I don't think new. It's ongoing, and, it, and it's probably not the last one. You know, and like at some point there will be some machine where someone can literally think, "I want a hamburger," and there's going to be a hamburger that'll pop out of it. And then all the chefs in the world are going to be like, what? You can't do that. That's, you know, so pretty printing food. It's definitely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But you know who is going to come out of that? The really good chefs are going to find a way to make themselves unique and still bring attention to themselves. So if you're really good at what you do and you have all that passion, you're going to be just fine. That's true. Yeah. Did you guys see, um, I, I tweeted, I, I went down some rabbit hole on YouTube a couple of weeks ago and I found these, these, these funny guys. I can't even remember their names. Um, there's a funny video. I tweeted it. It's in my Twitter from about a week ago of uh, these guys from the Bronze Age. Just to, they're, they're like prehistoric guys wearing animal furs and they meet the guy who's going around. He's the salesman for bronze. And one guy is a chipper. He makes all tools by chipping flint. And he's all disgruntled and upset that this guy with the newfangled bronze is going to show off his <laughs> his sales kit. It's a British comedy. And it's really – I showed it to a couple of friends and it's funny. And I jokingly said to him, I think, the axe nerds of the Bronze Age because <laughs> the guy who's the chipper is with his friend who's the tire. And the chipper makes the axe heads and the tire ties them to a stick. And uh. they're, talking about, they're talking about changes in their industry. And they meet the guy with the bronze and he shows He goes, look, we could make plates. We could make cups. There's a whole newfangled world out there and it's all bronze. And the guy goes, well, I'm a chipper. Where do I stand in the future? He goes, you don't. It's over for you. Mm. You got to learn how to smelt bronze. He goes, well, my dad brought up his whole family with chipping and that's where I'm going to stay. And he says, well, good luck to you. And the other guy goes, he goes, good luck because that technology is outdated. And the other guy goes, what about me? I tie things to sticks. He goes, oh, well, we'll still need you. He goes, he goes, I'm good. So I'm good for a little while. So it was just funny how uh, <laughs> it's just funny how, you know, that that transition of new technology is just constantly evolving. And it's, it's like what you said, Bob, it's, it's not that this is new. This is just the machines are new. The argument is the same argument that's been going on since the Bronze Age. Well, unless anybody else has any good ideas about it, I think that's probably a pretty good place to wrap it up. Do we have comments? We have comments on the website. Yeah. Yeah. We'd love to hear what people what people think about it because everybody has a different opinion about this. Yeah. Jimmy's not always right. <laughs> <laughs> Handmade the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. So leave us, leave us some comments. And we've had some really good response on Twitter. Like I love, like after asking the questions last time, I love that people were responding and giving us answers about how they watch videos and stuff. So yeah, let us know what you think about this on, on Twitter at Making It Podcast um, or in the comments yeah. on the website, either one. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I think that'll be a good place to stop. I want to thank our patrons, uh, people from Patreon. Awesome, 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 mm, um, so awesome! Great support there, and and we are we ordered just so you know we ordered the exclusive T-shirts. They are on order and they are on the way. So, anybody that uh, has supported us there, that's getting a T-shirt, they will be coming to you in the next week or so. I think. Um, I also want to thank Nicholas Gomez and Matthew Dickinson and Luis. I, Gonzalez, yeah, last name, I think. Um, those are our top supporters on Patreon. You guys make a huge difference, and we really appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Um, so, yeah, uh, where, where can we find out about everybody before we go, David? You can find me on drunkenwoodworker.com. That has links to all my social medias, plus my blog and videos and everything that I do. Jimmy? Uh, JimmyDeresta.com and all social media. But uh, just to remind everybody, this weekend I'll be working for Dremel. At South by Southwest, and there's a, a party Saturday night for Dremel. 
uh, somewhere in town. Tweet me and I'll let you know where it is because it's all new to me. But I will definitely be in Austin for Dremel this weekend, uh, this, this, this coming Saturday, tomorrow. Right on. Thank you. And all my stuff is at I like to make stuff.com. All the social media is I like to make stuff, except for Twitter, which is I like to make stuff with one F. You know, you can blame Twitter for that. So, um, yeah, thanks guys for listening. Um, and yeah, that's it. We'll see you next time. Thank you Thank very you, much. Everybody.